0: Amen. If you're ready for the word, can I get a bring it? All right, open up your Bibles with me to Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and onward. So glad that you are here. We're going to get into the word between sermon series. We love our sermon series here at the church. We just did one for a year and a half, like Lauren said, and we'll be starting another long one in just a few uh, weeks. I might start at the beginning of September or mid-September, depending on how today's message goes, because I have a few more things in my heart I want to share. Today I want to talk about being perfect and beautifully healed. Look at your neighbor and say, you are perfect and beautifully healed in Christ. Come on, look at your other neighbor and say, no, no, I really mean it. This is just not a silly thing to say at church. You are perfect and beautifully healed in Christ. Let me ask you this before I get started. Is the transformation of Jesus at salvation really a big deal? Or is it kind of just something you could have got somewhere else? For example, you know how when you want to go shopping for toiletries or things for your bathroom, you can go to Target if you want, but you know you're going to probably spend two to three times the amount you would spend at the dollar store. So if you go to the dollar store, chances are it's going to be about the same. Is that what Christianity really is? You can get something from Christianity. But if you go to Buddhism, you'll basically get the same thing. You'll basically get the same thing from Islam. Is that true? No, it's not. What you get in Christianity, you cannot get anywhere else. The born-again lifestyle is an entirely different kind of life. Now, let me ask you another thing. When the Bible says Jesus makes you a new creation, or you are born again by the Spirit, does that mean you are born again still a sinner? You're born again still with all the flaws and imperfections you had before the cross? If that's true, then where's the power of the cross? If the power of the cross is not good enough the moment you call out to Jesus to make you perfect in the eyes of God and to heal all of your emotional pains, then what's the purpose? Now, some of you may want to be very slick at this moment and say, well, pastor, there's a process. Yes, we come to Christ and are declared righteous, but then there's this process where God perfects us, and then there's a process where God heals us. That's what I'm going to be debunking today. Whoever taught you the process of perfection or a time of healing where you're looking for something to be healed in your emotions, it's not true. It's not biblical. That doesn't mean, listen, that doesn't mean Christians don't make mistakes. My identity is perfect in Christ, but I may not always act perfect in Christ. I'm looking at these beautiful children here of the Riveras. They are perfect in their image. Their DNA represents mother and father. Now, does that mean they always listen and obey? No. But when we're born again, we're made in the perfect image of God. Do you always act like it? No, but that doesn't take away your identity. When a child misbehaves, that doesn't mean they're less of a child, Now, some people might think that everyone's born a child of God, and that's not true. That's why the Bible says you have to be born again. Do you get my point? So if we're truly born again, where's the transformation? If it's still a process, then what is the actual transformation? What is actual salvation then if we're saying it's a process? Either it's a process or it's an instantaneous transformation. Jesus didn't say, be born again, again, and again, and again, and again, all throughout your life, and then one day when you die, you'll be be really born again. No, he said, be born again, and you see the kingdom of God. How many have been born again? The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, you have been saved by grace through faith, not of yourselves. It's by the gift of God, not by works, lest anyone should boast. For we are God's workmanship, created past tense in Christ Jesus to do good works. Can I hear an amen about Three-quarters of you believe me. The rest of you still wondering, well, that's why I got a message, amen? That's just the introduction. Look at your neighbor and say, that's just the introduction. Let's look to Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 2. Paul speaking here says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters... In view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, this is true and proper worship. So when my spiritual soul gets saved, what am I supposed to do with this body and flesh? Put it on the altar, let God burn it up every day. That's my act of worship. So do I still have a sinful flesh? Yes, I do. But I am no more my flesh than I am my stomach. Now, I know some of you think you're your stomach, and I've been there before. When that stomach starts growling, you got to give in to it, right? But how many of you have had self-discipline and said, no stomach, I don't have to give in to you? No no more empanadas. No more pan set. Uh, no more pizzas. Are you guys listening to me? No more burritos. Come on. You're no more your body than your, your hand or your eye. If I take away your hand, are you still yourself? If I take away your eye, are you still you? How about this? When your body goes in the grave, are you still you? Your brain dies, your mind lives on. Your feelings dies, but your emotions live on. Your strength dies, but your will lives on. Why? Your soul is your mind, will, and emotions, and it borrows your body just like you borrow a car to get here or a bus to get here. Are you the bus? You come in and out of that bus the same person, don't you? You come in and out of this body the same person. That's why you have to be born again. You can't get born again when you die. You get born again now, and as you are now is how you'll be in the presence of God. Only difference, your body won't be there acting as a... A blurry window, in other words. The Bible says this flesh blurs our vision from seeing God. So if you don't have Christ and your body dies, where do you go? You go to hell because nothing changes at death other than the destination you've already chosen in life. Can I say that again? Death changes nothing. You go to the destination you've already chosen when you've been in this life. How many of you have been born again? So what are you supposed to do with your body? Offer it as a what? Living sacrifice. Offer your body as a living sacrifice. So if we're perfect in Christ, where do temptations come from? Somebody say the body. Didn't you know that's what Paul called the flesh? Look at Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 and onward. Paul says the acts of the flesh are obvious. Do you want to know what the Greek word for flesh is? The Greek word for flesh, as it's coming up right here, is sarx. Somebody say sarks. The Greek word for body is soma. The Bible says the acts of the flesh are obvious. Now, some preachers have taught that your flesh is a combination of your soul and your body. That's not true. You are not your body. You are not your flesh. You are a living spirit that has a soul, a mind, will, and emotions. How many of you are a spiritual soul today? Come on. So you use your body as an earth tent. You use your body as an earth suit. Now, some people have then have taught since your spirit and soul born again, you can sin as much as you want in your body because it doesn't count. Those were the Gnostics of the first century but that's not what the bible teaches the bible says you will be judged according to what you do in the body so yes you are not your body but you are responsible for what you do with your body look at paul here galatians five nineteen. he says the acts of the flesh are obvious this is what the body and its five senses desire can an animal do most of these things absolutely and how much more sophisticated is your body to an animal's body So what is the animal instinct of man? It's the flesh. What is the spiritual instinct? To serve God when you're born again. If you're not born again, look at what it says in Ephesians chapter 2 at the beginning of that passage, as we always say, is the gospel message. He says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sin in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and the ruler of the kingdom of air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. So the devil works on those who are already disobedient. So you make a choice and then the devil backs it up because the devil can't make you do anything. Are you listening? So the devil can't make you sin. You choose to sin and the devil says, I'll take advantage of that. You leave the door open, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Look at verse 3. All of us lived among them at one time gratifying the cravings of our what? The cravings of our what? Flesh following its desires and thoughts. Are you a he, she, or an it? Shout out what you are. Are you a he, she, or an it? One more time, what are you? Okay, what is your body though? Now, you may say by gender it can be a he or a she. That is true. We still believe in, one, uh, in the creation of one man and one woman. But listen, your body, though, is in it. Though it can be genderized, it doesn't have a personality without a soul being in it. That's why when you look at a corpse, it doesn't have the personality. Yes, you can be deceived by your body. You can be deceived by your flesh. Look at what it says, following its Desires and thoughts. Go back to that passage in Galatians. He'll tell you what those desires and thoughts are. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envies, drunkenness and orgies. Some may say they were crazy. Probably no different than us these days. Orgies and the like. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Can you live according to the flesh and inherit the kingdom of God? No, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. How many want the fruit of the Spirit versus the deeds of the flesh? Now watch this and put it with what we just learned in Romans chapter 12, that we offer our bodies as what? Living sacrifices. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the what? Have crucified the what? The flesh with It's passions and desires. Are you a he, she, or an it? According to the Bible, what is your body? It's an it. You crucify it. You ready for verse 2? Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. The Greek word for transform is metamorpho. It's where we get the word metamorphosize. That's the English. Let me get you the Greek version. How many want to see it in the Greek? Is y'all impressed with the Greek? I just like you guys to see it because it's the original language, and a lot of these words that we have in English actually come from the Greek. Have you ever seen the movie Transformers? It means to be changed from one thing to another. They're transforming and metamorphosized in the Greek. So what does it mean when we don't conform to the pattern of this world? We're transformed by the renewing of our What? Of our mind. The mind is a part of the soul. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His jacked up will, is that what it says? His half good and half half bad will. No, you will know his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Say it again. You will know his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Does God want you to live according to his perfect will? Or does he want you to be messed up every now and then? Come on, look at your neighbor and say, You are perfect. And you are beautifully healed in Christ. Come on, say it like you mean it. You are perfect and beautifully healed in Christ. So the Bible says we have to transform our understanding. Look at these two words. We are either conformed, molded by the thinking of this world, or we are transformed by the thinking of Jesus. Do you want to be molded to look like the world in how you think and act Or do you want to hit reset and be transformed into how Jesus thinks and acts? Now, for us to do that, I got to tell you what the world is trying to conform you to, don't I? Because it says don't be conformed to the way of the world. Now, the moment I say that, most of you think, well, the way of the world, Joe, is just that gross and disgusting stuff. You know, robbing banks, cheating on your wife, lying and stealing. But that's not really the roots of where those actions come from. The roots of the world go down to the seed of sin and pride and rebellion. And today what I want to do is I want to confront, I can't take on all the roots of the world and cut it down from where it's at, but I want to take on two specific things that the world teaches you on how to think that God doesn't want you to conform to that. He wants to transform you. And that is how you see yourself as a Christian. You may be here today and say, man, I believe Jesus died, buried, rose again on the third day. You may believe that, but you may not believe you are who God said you are and that you can do what he said you can do. So I want to change your thinking in that. Can I get an amen? And the other thing is, you may be going through actual life issues and struggles where you think that the pain that you're facing is so real. And I'm not saying it's not, we'll talk about how real it is, but you may feel that it's so real That the promise of being emotionally whole at shalom, which is the Hebrew word for peace, you may feel that that's actually out of reach. And maybe you may even have been so deceived to think your pain is supposed to be emotionally painful so you can get closer to God. So God's kind of poking you with the needle so you'll go closer to Him. How many would think that would be child abuse if we would do that here to our children? I'm going to torture my children so they can learn to love me more. But we put that on God, don't we, sometimes. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, get ready. I'm going to take some of the most popular memes that have to do with perfection and have to do with emotional struggles, and I'm going to put them here, and I want you to be honest, even as a Christian, have you fell for the lies of the world and thought the way the world thought? Because let me just tell you something. This doesn't take faith to believe in. This is what the world does naturally. It takes faith to believe you are who God says you are, even though you may not look different on the outside. It takes faith to believe you are emotionally healed when your body is suffering. It takes real faith. This is going with the current of the world. This is the mindset of the world, and this is what the world wants to conform your thinking to be. They'll say, yeah, you're good being a Christian. We're cool with that, but you better think like us because if you think differently than us, you're judging us you think you're better than us and that's not my intention at all but my intention is to transform your thinking from the confirmation or the conforming of the world are you ready this is what people think in the world emotionally i'm in pain mentally i'm depressed spiritually i'm stressed physically i smile that's the world See, the world wants to say, "I'm in pain, I'm depressed, and I'm stressed, and I'm trying my best." Kind of rhymes, right? Is that what the Bible teaches? Does the Bible say we should be going around the world talking like this? How did Jesus talk? Come unto me, all you who are heavy laden and weighed down, and I will give you rest. You shall find rest for your soul, for my yoke is easy and my load is light. That's a Christian's confession during times of burdens. How about this one? all snarky. I'm trying to add voices to it, so bear with me. One does not simply get off the struggle bus, pastor. I mean, let's just get real. You don't live my life, pastor. Pastor, you're not like me. You don't have the problems I have. You have just a perfect little old life, don't you, pastor? One doesn't simply get off the struggle bus. They stay on it. And they stay on it, and then they bring all their friends on it, and then they have pity patty parties on it. <laughs> this is the way of the world, isn't it? It's the way the world thinks. How about this? This one can trick you if you if you just look at it at the surface, you might be tempted to share it. Great souls suffer in silence. Ooh, I'm a great soul, and I'm suffering in silence. We have to suffer in silence. Is that what the Bible says? The Bible says, cry out to the Lord and he will hear you. The Bible says, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be answered. The Bible says, all who call upon the Lord will not be put to shame. If God is with you, who can be against you? That's what the Bible says. But it's so deep. How about this one? It's a mocking one. Thank God you posted that inspirational quote. Or we could say you're for Christians. Thank God you posted that Bible verse. My depression, stress, and anxiety have all magically disappeared. See, what someone is saying right here, everybody get this. What someone is saying here, I'm going to put it on Scripture. Somebody say, show it in the Word. What somebody is saying here. Is that our God's word is not powerful enough to change a situation? Look at what the Bible says. Now faith is the confidence of what we hope for, the assurance of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for by faith. Somebody say by faith. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command. So that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. My friend, one word from God can change your life. One scripture can bring you from darkness to light. Everything you see here, including your problems, are under the power of God's word. He said, let there be light. And there wasn't a committee meeting and there wasn't a debate with darkness. When he said, let there be light, there was light and darkness started running. And if you don't believe darkness runs now, go into the deepest, darkest part of your cellar or basement and light a little old match and see the principle still remains light pushes out darkness. But it sounds so sophisticated like you just think my life's going to change because you gave me a Bible verse? You think just because I came to church my life? Yes, that's exactly what I think according to the Bible When I sat at my mother's kitchen table, November 5th, 1995, I was one sort of sinner, one kind of man. And then when I prayed and asked Jesus into my heart, I was never the same again. And it's been 20 plus years. Don't tell me God can't do in a moment what the people can't do in a lifetime. God can do in a moment what the world can never do. My God is powerful. Oh, and here's the new one. You might have heard these kind of lyrics on K-Love. K-Love loves to sing these kind of songs. Not saying it's a bad station or every song is bad, but sometimes it's no different than one of these old country songs. I've got a tear in my beer, and I'm waiting for you, dear, to come home. You got a tear in your beer, huh, cowboy? Yeah, I got a tear in my beer. It's been hard. How hard? It's been so hard. Oh, I'm beautifully broken. Here I am, beautifully broken, perfectly imperfect, beautiful in all my flaws. Altogether, I'm a beautiful disaster. I am, I feel sorry for these people. Listen to me. I'm not here to make you feel bad. I want you to get saved. And if you're already saved, I want you to live like you're saved. I want God to transform your thinking. First of all, when people use this, they'll actually cover it up and call it faith. Faith is never illogical. Faith is never illogical. Faith may not conform to the reason that you are limited to. But faith is never irrational. It's suprarational. God sees things from ways we don't see. And so they may say, well, this just makes sense in Christianity being a beautiful disaster. Is that what the Bible says? You're a beautiful disaster. Just look at you. No. No. And when we look at our flaws, do we say our flaws are beautiful? No. When I look at my flesh, I say, oh, what a wretched man this is. With all the sin I've done in this flesh, it must die and suffer the curse. Oh, but thanks be to God, he rescues me from this body and gives me a new self. Are you listening? Let's keep going. Now, this one, once again, kind of has that, 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 that way that can bring you in. Sometimes, this, i got to kind of let my little my little bottom lip quiver a little bit <laughs> sometimes the strongest among us are the ones who smile through the silent pain cry behind closed doors and fight battles nobody knows about nobody knows the troubles Is this Christianity? This is literally Christianity. I double-dog dare somebody just right now to Google this phrase. I give you permission to use Google. Google this phrase, things your pastor wishes you knew. Do you know that there are pastors who support this struggle? Oh, I wish I could tell my congregation just how miserable I am. There's blog article after blog article, just because you might think to yourself, pastor, you got such an easy life. You're a pastor. I have to be a nurse, or I have to be a police officer, or I have to be a teacher. You don't know all the pain that I have. Listen to me. They do it for pastors too. I could tell you right now all the pain these pastors have and all the depression medication they're on, but I don't believe this. The Bible says he came to heal the brokenhearted. He said he'll never leave me nor forsake me. Now, do I cry sometimes? Absolutely, but I never cry alone. And I don't cry in a way that I can't let anybody else know. I'm, th- this is, this is a, what we would call a self-pity, a pride of self-abasement. Why can't you let anybody know? Why can't you come to the altar and let us know and pray for you? Why can't you get an accountability partner? Are you listening? Come on, somebody. Even the kings had the prophets. Now, this one is is popular for this generation because everybody's talking about my demons. Anybody here hear somebody talk like that? I'm just fighting my demons. I got so many demons. Well, first of all, you demon-possessed, there's an answer for that in Jesus' name. We'll meet you right at my church, 5405 West Diversity. We'll help you out. But guess what? This, This is their psychological way of saying the thoughts they don't like. And they're saying these thoughts are taking them over. Jesus already said, I got a solution for that, doesn't he? Make your body, including your brain, a living sacrifice. and Let your mind, which is in your soul, be renewed. You wake up every morning to fight the same demons that left you tired the night before. And that, my love, is bravery. No, that is stupidity. Number one, demons leave in Jesus' name, and I am who God said I am. I am a child of God, and the spirit within me cries out, Abba, Father. I have every power from heaven given to me that I might stand the day against evil, stand my ground, and fight with the spiritual armor of God. You may say, Pastor, these are some real issues here. Yes, they are, but there is a problem solver to every one of these problems. How about this for Mother's Day? She's not perfect. She is madness. (laughs) This is how many mothers think about raising their children. They'll show you at the end of the day a picture of them. They're all stressed out cat with a glass of wine. You know, this is what it's like to be a mother. You know, and I need my wine. What kind of God are you serving? She's perfect. She's not perfect. She's madness. Now, watch this. And madness is a beautiful irony. No, it's not. Where perfection and flaws are the best of friends. No, they're not. Don't believe any of that. Are you listening? Come on, somebody say, Help us, Jesus. And then this one right here. Sometimes the most beautiful—you can almost hear this with a K. Love song. Like I want to get Adam to come sing it. Uh, I'll play on the guitar. Sometimes the most beautiful people are beautifully broken, and I'm beautifully broken, and we're all singing beautifully broken. Thank you, K. Love, for telling me I'm the most beautiful person, and I'm beautifully broken. <laughs> Is that what Jesus said was the most beautiful person, was the one that was the most beautifully broken? Now, what does the Bible mean when he says he's near the brokenhearted? Yes, there are times where your emotions are hurt, but what do you do? You go to your healer. You don't remain broken. You get healed. When you sin, you don't remain in sin. You repent and have perfection restored, washing and cleansing. Somebody say holiness. Here's just a silly one that you might see somewhere. Blessed are the cracked, for they shall let the light in. Is anybody cracked in the head today? You letting the light in? Anybody cracked in your emotions? Come on, somebody. Somebody say, show me the word now. How many are done with that stuff? How many are done with it? Can I hear an amen? If you're done with this, shout hallelujah. You want to hear some things about perfection? Hebrews 10 verse 14. For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Are you going to believe that scripture and make a meme out of it? Or are you going to believe the beautifully cracked broken meme? What don't we understand about that scripture? Let's go through it word by word. Four by one. One sacrifice, one offering. What is that? The cross, talking about Jesus. He hath what? Perfected. Somebody say the word. Say it like you're not scared of it. He hath perfected for how long? For how long? Forever. Them that are what? Sanctified. What does it mean to be sanctified? Separated from your sin. You have been justified. You have been sanctified. Are you listening? That's what the the transformation is sanctification is a term that comes from the old testament it means that you've been moved out of the unholy section to the holy section you're God's temple God loves you he put his spirit in you he's not putting his spirit in you if you got a bunch of junk in the trunk he cleanses you he washes you clean how many believe that how about this right here how many know God loves you how many know God loves you Amen. But you know your biggest doubts will be whether or not his love is with you at times when you face troubles. Let's be honest. How many of you have doubted it at times? Well, guess what the Bible says? But whoso keepeth the word in him verily is the love of God. What? The love of God is what? Perfected. Those who keep the word, the love of God is what? Come on, say it like you're up today. Those who keep the word, the love of God is perfected. When you feel empty on the inside, what are you supposed to do? Keep the Word. When you're tempted with sin, what are you supposed to do? Keep the Word. When you keep the Word, God's love will keep you. When you're not keeping the Word, you're letting the door open for your thinking to be dragged back down into the gutter. Stinking thinking is your biggest problem. It's not necessarily the devil. The devil has already been defeated. He only has authority when we leave open doors, as I've said before. So how do we guard against him? We love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. If I love God with 100% of my heart, how much can the devil now have? If I love God with 100% of my mind, love God with all your soul, mind, and strength. If I love God with 100% of my mind, how much can the devil have now? If I love God, come on with all of my strength and ability to move through life, how much can the devil now have? Keep the word of God, and the love of God will be perfected in you. Hereby, we know that we are in him. He that saith, he abideth in him, ought himself also to walk, even as he walked. Who are you supposed to walk like? Jesus. Look at First John chapter 4, verse 18. There is no fear in love. Where do all of our anxieties come from? Fear. Fear of the future, fear of death, fear of a cancer report, fear of losing our job. There is no fear in what? Love. Perfect love casts out fear. How much fear can remain in your heart when you got God's perfect love? Okay, so when you and I feel afraid, what are we supposed to do? Say, Jesus casts it out because I know you love me. See, this takes faith. Remember, this is the faith of a Christian. The Christian is believing something that's different than what the world believes. The world believes fear is natural, it comes from your adrenal gland. It's a fight or flight response, and you should just learn to live with it. And if you can't handle it, take some medication and sedate yourself. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says, let the perfect love of God cast out that fear. Now, if you're here today on medication or seeing a doctor, do it with the doctor so that you can give the doctor the chance to take you off medication and find true healing. Don't blame it on us if you get off the medication, okay? Do it with your doctor because fear has what? Fear has what? Come on, look at the scripture. Fear has what? Y'all ain't even looking at the Bible. Here's the Bible, by the way. Everybody look up at me. Here I am. I'm Pastor Joe. Welcome to church. This is the Bible behind me, folks. I'm asking you a question because fear has what? What does fear have? I'm still pointing to it, and y'all ain't saying it. Only like four of you. Fear has what? Can you say it like you mean it? Fear has Torment. torment. How much longer do you want to be tormented? He that feareth is not made perfect in love. Can I be made perfect in love? Isn't that the whole point of the command? Can I love God? I'm asking you guys a question. Please help me. Can I love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength? I'm supposed to. And when I do that, I'm made perfect in love. How about this little lonely old command that most people forget? They just forget about this command while they're sharing all those memes. Matthew 5, 48. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is what? Perfect. 2 Corinthians 5.17. Let's read it together. 1, 2, 3. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. Where is the new? Right here. Are we waiting to get made new in heaven? No. So what are we supposed to do? Guard what God has already given us. And then look at the passage here, Ephesians 2.10. For we are his workmanship masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared before or ordained that we should walk in them. So you're made a masterpiece. Now live like you're supposed to live. Amen. Does everybody get that? You're not waiting on God to do something else. The something else has already been done. How about this? 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. What kind of nation? A holy nation. Thank you for helping me. God's possession. That ye may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Well, path Pastor, everybody look up at me. Pastor, I'm kind of in the darkness and I'm in the light. What does the Bible say about that when you're kind of half in and half out? Lukewarm. And what scripture deals with being lukewarm? Luke, uh, Genesis, Revelation 3.16. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. Are you light or are you darkness? Jesus says he wants you light. He's called you a holy people. Did you do it yourself? No, he did it for you. Look at what Jesus said, John eight thirty four through 36. Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, anyone who sins is a what to sin? A slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family. So listen to me, Christian. Stop acting like a slave. But a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you shall be free indeed. But pastor, I'm tempted. The son has set you free. But pastor, I'm weak. The son has set you free. But pastor, you don't know the family I live in. But the son has set you free. Praise God. 1 John chapter 3, 9 through 10. You don't hear this one quoted much on K-Love or the other stations that want to have beautifully broken people. No one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in them. They cannot go on sinning because they've been born of God. Does being born of God come with some changes in your life? Yes, it does. This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child, nor is anyone who does not love their brother and sister. Now, somebody may want to ask, well, pastor, what if we sin? Well, what do we do if we sin? Do we stay in our sin? Look at 1 John. 1 John chapter 2, verse 1. Chapter 2, verse 1 says this, my dear children, I write this to you that you will not what? You will not what? Sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is our atoning sacrifice for our sins, not only for ours, but for the sins of the world. The Bible says when he does that, he cleanses us from all righteousness. Look at the verses prior. It says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just just, and will forgive us our sins and purify us from how much unrighteousness? All unrighteousness. So are we supposed to deny our sin and say, well, I'm not really sinning. It's just my body. I'm in, an, I'm in an earth suit, so it doesn't matter what I do to the, the suit. I'm about ready to get a new body. I can have as much sin as I want. No, the Bible says you're going to be held responsible for what you do in this body. And so anybody who says, I know God, and keeps on sinning, they don't know God. But what if we do sin? Do we then say, well, that must mean I wasn't made perfect. See, I'm all messed up now. When my son sins, does that change his DNA from no longer being my son? Does that change his identity? No, when my son sins, it's an issue of maturity. Why are we always going from glory to glory? We're not going from glory to gory, from sin to sin to sin. To sin to every now and then I ask for forgiveness. Lord, please forgive me. Oh, I did it again, but I, oh, please forgive me. Lord, I did it again. No, you're supposed to be going from glory to glory to glory. Are you listening? I said, Are you listening? See, look at what it says, 2 Corinthians three sixteen. It says, but whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Freedom. Where is there freedom? In the Spirit of the Lord. And we all with un- unveiled faces contemplate. That means we meditate and think on the Lord's glory. We're being metamorphosized as we're contemplating, come on, people, into his image, which with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the spirit. When you contemplate and renew your mind, you're going from glory to glory to glory. You're maturing in the things of God from the identity he's given you. Does anybody believe the word today? And then lastly, Second Corinthians 5.21 says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. Did Jesus take your place on the cross? Yes or no? then that means there was a divine exchange. How much of your sin did he take? All of it. So how much of his righteousness do you get? So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Are you perfectly imperfect? Are you a beautiful disaster? You are the righteousness of God. Believe it and live like it in Jesus' name. And what happens when you don't know your identity? These are the problems you'll face when you don't know your identity. Number one, you'll believe that struggling with sin is normal for the Christian life. Jesus never said you struggling with sin is normal. Number two, you'll make excuses when confronted with sin and say things like this. We're all sinners and in a process. Don't judge my process. Who are you to judge me? You will never experience a true definitive moment when you can say, I've been saved and set free. And didn't Jesus talk about a definitive moment when the sun sets you free? And then lastly, you will think, everybody get this deep thought here, you will think sin is more powerful than Jesus in this life because you can only be free from sin when you die. Even though Paul said there's always a way of escape in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, and Jesus taught you to pray in Matthew 6, 13 to deliver you from evil, you'll think death is your Savior instead of Jesus. I'm not waiting to die to get set free from sin. When Jesus died and rose again and I believed, I was set free from sin. Look at your neighbor and say, that's halfway through. I got the other half to go through. You ain't got nowhere to go, do you? Come on, what's the bottom line? We say we are perfect in Christ. Somebody say I'm perfect in Christ. Let's get Adam to come because I think with the guitar, it will make it sound a little bit nicer because we're going to talk about the last part about emotional healing. How many of you have had your heart broken in life? How many of you have felt like you've gone through situations where your heart was like a beautiful vase, priceless, and yet it was thrown down and crushed into a million pieces? How many of you ever felt that before? The Bible speaks to that. The same way. Everybody say the same way. Amen. Look at Isaiah 53. How many know Isaiah 53 is a prophecy about Jesus coming? Do you know that the same way it talks about Jesus taking our sins It says, surely, you all better get this today because I might have some tears coming down, but out of gratitude. The same place on that cross, he took my sin, he took my pain. Surely, he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God. He deserves it. If he was God, he wouldn't be on that cross. That's what the people said. Stricken by him and afflicted. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. The shalom, the peace I now have, came because of what he suffered. And by his wounds, we are healed. Do I believe there's physical healing to come? Absolutely, we'll ask for it every time. But what do I believe there's healing in the present right now? Emotional healing. Jesus, after he got done with his fasting 40 days, tempted of the devil, he goes into the synagogue, they hand him a temple. Look at what he reads. Isaiah, the prophet we were just reading from, he reads it. And look at what he says about himself. He said in verse 18, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Do you hear that today, my beautifully broken sister? Use beautifully madness, beautiful disaster, whoever you are today. Jesus came to have you be beautifully healed. To preach deliverance to the captives. There was a day I was captive by cigarettes, and there was a day I never smoked again. I haven't smoked in over 20 years. There was a day I looked at pornography, 96, and that was the last day I've looked at it. Over 20 years, he sets the captives free. Whew. Does anybody get that today? I want you free, saints. I want everybody who downloads these messages to get free. Stop conforming to the garbage of this world. And if you feel different, your feelings with your body, put them on the altar and become a living sacrifice. And be led of the spirit, recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are bruised. You feel like you're being stepped down all the time to preach the acceptable year of the Lord's favor that means God is always with you it's always jubilee you're never alone i just read that whole passage of second corinthians 317 i got there a little bit early 2 Corinthians 4.18. Can I talk to you about how to face your problems if you're facing them today? We are hard pressed on every side. You ever feel that way? I just feel like I'm getting pressed by my job, pressed by my family, pressed by my health, pressed by my finances. Listen to how Paul talked about his emotional problems. We are hard pressed on every side but not crushed. We are perplexed. We don't know what to do. How in the world is this going to work out? But we're not in despair. We're persecuted. We are put into solitary confinement, but we're not abandoned. We're struck down, but we're not destroyed. We always carry in our body the death of Jesus. Yes, we know we suffer here in this body so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake. These men and women were dying by the thousands for their Christian faith. But they said, We go through this so that his life may be also revealed in our mortal body. Do you know? Do you know what converted many in the Roman Empire to Christianity? You, you want to know what brought the Roman Empire down? They tried to kill us for 300 years. Jesus was the beginning, and it didn't end until Constantine in 3, around 313 A.D. You know what converted them? When we were dying, we would worship and praise God. They saw Christians die. The greatest fear you can have is the fear of death, right? I mean, that's the greatest fear. We're going to die, and, and, and that's that's it. Because after that, there's no nothing else you can do to us. So the Christians would face that greatest fear with joy singing hymns. Sometimes, listen, you can read it in Fox's Book of Martyrs, sometimes the executioners would join us in death and say, if this is what it means to be a Christian, then kill me with them too. And they would die alongside of us. So then death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. Look at verse 13. Let's read it together. One, two, three. It is written, I believed, therefore I have spoken. Since we have that same spirit of faith, we also believe, and therefore. Okay, now you all get it. Come on, hang in. Don't lose it now. Now do you know why it's so important by what you believe, what you're speaking, and what you're thinking? You're supposed to have the spirit of faith. You're supposed to be like the prophets of old and the disciples of the Bible. You're not supposed to let your circumstances dictate your identity. Look at what he said right here, 2 Corinthians four sixteen. We don't lose heart, though outwardly we're wasting away. I watched my aunt die of bone cancer. She was wasting away from the inside out. Her bones were literally rotting. Yet she kept saying, I am healed in Christ. And yes, she would say, I'm healed. And maybe the doctor in the hospice would laugh or the nurse would laugh and just give her more morphine. And then she would say it again, I'm healed. And they would probably go into their break room and say, look at this crazy woman. She thinks she's healed. And then one day she said, I'm healed. Breathe her last breath. Look, Jesus right in the eyes. And he said, yes, you are. <laughs> Woo! I believe in that Jesus. Jesus. I believe in a Jesus who says, though my body is wasted away, yet inwardly I'm being renewed day by day. I shout. You want to know why I shout? I shout cuz I get excited about Jesus. You get excited about a man in tights with a ball hitting a, with a bat hitting a ball over a, a fence. You get excited about somebody kicking a ball in the net. I get excited about Jesus conquering death, hell and the grave. Hallelujah. Somebody shout Jesus. Thank you. Look at what it says 2 Corinthians 12:9 through 10. Paul was going through an immense amount of struggle. We have no idea what it was. He ended up getting beheaded in Rome by Nero. So whatever problem he was facing, God said, I can't take the problem. Well, I can't, but I'm not taking the problem away. This is the way you're going to go through it. But I will take away the pain on the inside. And I want everybody to get this revelation. I'm not saying your life is going to be a yellow brick road. God may not always take away the problems, but he'll take away the He'll take away the what? The pain. He said, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, now look what Paul said. I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, so I can be beautifully broken. No. So that when I am weak, then I am strong. (laughs) He said, devil, everything you give me becomes another notch on my belt to show the strength of God. I'm going to boast on how I conquer every one of these things. I'm coming through with a sound mind, devil. I'm coming through with all my friends and family going to heaven. I'm coming through with the promises of God. Even if it's the last breath I breathe, I'm saying thank you, Jesus. I'm showing that even when I'm weak, I am strong. Put that on Facebook. Hallelujah. And you all want to hear about what's beautiful. Can I show you what's beautiful? Isaiah 61.3. God will provide for those who grieve in Zion. I know there's time of grieving. I'm not saying there's not. I've been with many precious people as they've grieved lost loved ones. But what will God do during the grief? He'll provide for you to bestow on them a crown of beauty. You get a crown of beauty while your body is wrecked with pain. Emotions going through the struggle of, lo- of learning to live without a loved one. The beauty instead of ashes. So you don't keep the ashes. Do you get it? There's no irony. There's no contradiction. He literally says while you go through the grieving there's a crown of beauty on you and there ain't no ashes. There's the oil of joy instead of mourning and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. When we read those posts don't they sound really despairing? They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. Can we read this last verse together? You all have done good today. Thank you for your patience. Read Psalm 34, 6 with me. One, two, three. This poor man called, and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all his troubles. So I'm not here to what we would say hyper- or extend the promises of God so they become unrealistic to what the people of God went through. No. Joseph was betrayed by his brothers, thrown into a pit. He was then put into slavery with Potiphar, was lied on by Potiphar, his wife, then thrown into prison. But every time he called out, the Lord was there. Do you get it? There's there's real people going through cancer here. They're calling out to the Lord, and he's delivering. I just met with Iris yesterday, and I said, how are you taking the bad news? She said, it's scary. I'm anxious at times, but I know God is good, and I know he's got my back, and I'm ready to meet him if the worst case should happen. You see, she called on the Lord, and the Lord heard her and is saving her out of all of her troubles. What's the problems we'll face if we don't get it right? Think about it, friends we'll think emotional struggles like despair, low self-esteem, and depression are normal for Christians. Even Job, who shows us a lesson, didn't get into this place. And so many Christians think despair, low self-esteem, and depression are normal. And Jesus said, no, they're not. I'm taking away despair. I came to take away your low self-esteem. How about this? We'll get upset when confronted with bad attitudes when somebody says, Hey, man, I I see you got a bad attitude. It it looks like you're having a pity patty party. We'll, We'll get upset with them and say, We're all just broken vessels, and God is using us. Who are you to judge my journey in the valley? Maybe you're here right now, and you feel that. My friends, we're giving you the word. Don't be so cynical. How about this? If you don't believe God's promises is you'll start to think God's not a good father, that every good and perfect gift doesn't come to him, and that you're suffering these things because he wants you to learn how to trust him through the pain. We may have pain in life, and God can use the pain to teach us to suffer, to, to, to teach us to trust him when we're suffering, but everybody get this. Even in the story of Job, God doesn't send the devil. He allowed the devil. That's why it says... Through all of these things, we're more than conquerors. Nothing can separate us. God uses the evil of the world. He uses it, but he doesn't send it. Do you understand? It all goes back to the Garden of Eden. When we sin, the curse came upon the earth. That's why there's natural disaster. came upon our bodies. That's why we face sickness. And there's moral disaster. That's why people sin against each other, and there's atrocities like there was with Nazi Germany. But God's not behind any of it. He's redeeming us through it. Do you see the difference? Come on, I said, Do you see the difference? Amen. And then lastly, everybody get this. I want you to get this. This is the last point now. You will think that those who tell you testimonies like I'm telling you, they're not being real. They had an easy life. In other words, you'll be cynical of genuine Christian testimonies. So you'll sit here literally like this, and you'll say, Psst, I bet Joe, really is broken on the inside. He just can't tell us. I bet you Joe really is a sinner. He's probably sleeping with the secretary, kissing on her navel like Bill Hybels did with Willow Creek, pretending to be a pastor. See, you'll be so cynical of stories. Can I tell you, can I tell you two of those who have already died and one who's still alive? And let's just see whether or not you have faith to believe or you're so cynical you think you know better. You ever heard of Corey Tim Boone? Corey Tim Boone hid uh, Jewish people in her home with her family during the Nazi holocaust her whole family was caught and arrested they were put into concentration camps her father died her brother died her sister died do you know what Corey Tim Boone said never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God you can never learn that Christ is all you need until Christ is all you have and then she said when her sister had died there is no pitch. So so deep that God's love is not deeper still. And lastly, she said, God does not have problems, only plans. See, do you just want to Stick up your nose to Corey Tin Boom and say, Corey Tin Boom, you don't understand. I've been cheated on. I'm a single mom, or my wife has left me. I've got so many. Corey Tin Boom, you don't understand. Corey Tin Boom lost her family in the Nazi Holocaust, you need poop. Stop it. Wake up to the glory of God. I'm tired of people trying to justify their pain above the cross. She went through it and died a missionary. She gave her life to preach to the persecuted church. And if she said, my God was faithful, he will be faithful to you. I'm sorry, sometimes I got to call a fool a nincompoop, but the Bible says it's okay every now and then. Mr. T said, I pity the fool. Amen. hang so-lim. It's my best way of pronouncing this South Korean missionary. Went across the North Korean border to give his life for the people there of North Korea to preach the gospel to them. I got the links here, by the way, so you can check out the story, see the facts for yourself. He was put into solitary confinement for over two years. He had to dig holes with his hands in the middle of winter, frostbitten all over. He thought he was going to die in a North Korean concentration camp alone with nobody knowing his whereabouts. Do you know what he said upon his release when he went to preach? While I was laboring, I prayed without ceasing. I did not have a day of gloom. My moments of discouragement, resentment, and grumbling turned into courage, joy, and thanksgiving. Some of y'all can't praise God now in an air-conditioned building. He was praising God, digging ditches in the winter with his hands. God have mercy on, on our ungratefulness and our unbelief. Horatio G. Spatford faced what I would consider would be the scariest day of my life. Sent his wife and four daughters on a ship to go to England. On that ship, It hit another ship and began to sink. Watch. The wife with the four children all held on. Come on, think about this, Kayla. Imagine all these little ones holding on with you to a few boards. She got knocked out. When she came to, every one of her children were gone. They rescued her alone. All of them died that day. She went back home to her husband, Horatio. Horatio said, we have to go back to that space, to that place where the shipwreck happened. I must see where my four children have been de- have died and are buried. As they came to that spot in the ocean, the captain said, this is the whereabouts. He wrote a hymn. <laughs> I don't even know what I would do if I lost all my children in one day. He wrote a hymn. You want to know the hymn? I'm beautifully broken. I'm a beautiful disaster. I'm cracked and the light's coming in. He wrote a hymn. It is well with my soul. When peace like a river attendeth, is one of the verses. When peace like a river attendeth my way, so things are good. When sorrows like sea billows roll. When things are bad. Whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Have you learned to sing, it is well with your soul? The bottom line is. We're supposed to say, I'm beautifully healed in Christ. Would you say it today? I'm beautifully healed in Christ. Would you stand up and give it up for Jesus today? Come on. I know you've been patient, but let's give it up for Jesus. Come on, band and altar workers, would you come? I know there's people here that want to believe it for the first time. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you for today. If this was your first time hearing this message, These altar workers are going to be here. I'm just going to start praying even right now. I feel the spirit of God before we dismiss. Let's pray. Father, I pray if there's people here that this is the first time hearing the message that, God, you want to change us and heal us, I pray they'll receive it right now. All you have to do is make Jesus the Lord of your life. It's not by works. It's not by something you do. You don't meditate to get this. You don't pray towards Mecca to get this. You don't attend five conferences to get this. You get inner healing. You get inner salvation and transformation by receiving Christ. And if you're here today and you're a Christian who hasn't been living like one, maybe you've been lukewarm, repent right now with the, with the first-time believer. Everybody pray right now if you need to accept Jesus. For the rest of us, those who are already Christians, we're just praying where we're at for right now. We'll come up in just a moment as we dismiss. But right now where you're at, if you have been complaining, if you have been doubting about who God made you to be, would you repent right now? Throw up your hands and say, forgive me, Jesus. Renew and transform my mind. I want to see some hands raised up on, around this place because I know many of you, you need your, your mind renewed. You've been going about this the wrong way. You've been thinking that the more pitiful you are, the more holy you are, and that's not true. God wants you healed. God wants you at peace. God wants you to know that when you were born again, you were made in his image. Come on, those of you who got your hands raised, raise them up high and say, Lord, I believe. I believe, therefore I speak. Now speak over every one of your situations. You heard about 20 scriptures today. Whatever you remember from today's message, just start to speak over it. Just say, Lord, I'm sorry for complaining about my marriage. I ask you now to heal my marriage. Lord, I'm sorry, Lord, that I've been walking around with depression. I've I've been walking around anxious. Lord, let your perfect love cast out every one of my fears. Lord, come on. Y'all need to pray. Lord, I'm sorry if I've been feeling alone. God, I believe today you'll never leave me nor forsake me. We're going to pray for three minutes before we go because you're worth it. We make time at the end of every service because you're worth it. Everybody should be praying with them now. Start to speak over your life situations. Maybe you haven't done it wrong. You've already learned this message or sermon before. But just start to speak right now of your situations. Take these three minutes while those are being born again and confessing their issues. You speak the word. I'll join you right now, three minutes before we go. Some of you might need prayer. You know what? I'll let you to come even before we dismiss. Right now, if some of you need prayer. Feel free to come. All to workers, we'll pray with you. You're not alone.